Welcome all of you that have joined us live around the nation here, wherever else you're at in the world, and those of you who will get this podcast this week, we welcome you to be with us today, and thank you for your participation. I want to read to you from a couple of psalms this morning as we get ready to go to our praise and worship, and think about these things as you focus on the Lord this morning, as we praise Him. As we praise Him, we invoke His presence into our moment. When He comes into our moment, He brings His throne. And when he brings that throne into our moment, that's what the Hebrew teaches us in Psalm 22, then we have God has. And in the New Testament, the Bible says, if he freely gave us his son, how will he not freely give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? So God is the very present help in the time of trouble. No matter what your trouble is, God can fix it. Can you say amen? amen. You cannot use God and can't in unless you're talking about sin. God can do anything. He's proven that, amen? The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ought to give Him amen for that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord and blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in His house and His righteousness endures forever. It's a good word, amen? Then it says, Praise the Lord and praise the servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth? we got an awesome God. He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifts the needy out of an ash heap. That He may seat Him with princes, with the princes of His people. And He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. In other words, God, whatever's barren in your life, God can give life to it. Amen? Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him praise this morning. And you know what? We got two of them this week. You get ready to rejoice right here. Arkansas passed a law that if you're a company in their state and you discriminate against Israel, you have to pay a penalty. And... The Supreme Court of Heaven. And you know what the next one is, right? They turned over. Abortion. Thank God. We got it is important what our nation stands for. God punished nations for going against his word. I know there's still going to be abortions going on in this country, but at least our nation backed away from that as a group. Amen. Somebody out God praise. And of course, there's a group that thinks we're the uneducated people. But I'd like to ask them what hupomene means. 
But, but, but I saw a sign. Somebody said, now that abortion is illegal, it'll cost lives. I said, you didn't just say that. You didn't make a sign. After 70 million plus babies have been killed, you did not make a sign like that. That's uneducated. Say it with me. Some trust chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let me say what I always say if I touch on this subject. If you've had an abortion, you can be forgiven. I got I've forgiven God. But calling something wrong, it's calling something right that's wrong. We can't get into that. No matter what the sin is, right? No matter what. Moses murdered somebody and God raised him up to be the leader of Israel. So you can be forgiven. But we can't keep calling wrong right in this country. Because we're in deeper, deeper debt with the Lord. Amen. Well, let's give God praise for what's happened this week. Amen. Hallelujah. We have a nursery in the next building, and children's church is dismissed. The rest of you may be seated. And we're going to use this prayer journey and praise moment. This tabernacle that Moses made in the Old Testament, the Bible says that he made it according to the one in heaven. So this is how heaven at least certain sect of heaven, heaven is laid out. And I've preached for years about how this is how we pray, right? We come in the gate with thanksgiving. First thing we do when we come to God is we offer thanks. Then we praise Him, that outer courts where we praise Him. And then we are met with that brazen altar where we repent. If you've got any repenting you need to do, maybe it's something you've done you shouldn't have done, you knew it was against God's Word, maybe it's something you've left undone that you should have done, we call those sins of omission, things God has asked us to do uh, that we leave undone. Then you're met with the, bra the laver. And the laver was made, the women brought, all, brought many of their mirrors. I'm, I may, they may have kept one, I'm not sure. I, I'm guessing they probably kept a mirror. May not turned them all in. But they brought their mirrors, and this had a lower level where the feet were washed, and then the upper basin where the hands were washed. And these, this upper basin was lined with the mirrors. And so when the priest would come from the sacrifice, he would look in that basin and see his own reflection until he washed his hands from the blood of that sacrifice and the blood filled that water. He could no longer see himself, but he could only see the blood. Can anybody say amen to that? That's what happens in our lives when we're born again. And so all this is a picture of how, how Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. It's also a picture of how we approach God. There's so many things. As I said last week, I could preach the rest of my life and show you Jesus and our responsibilities and what he's done for us with the tabernacle. I could preach the whole rest of my life on that. But what we're looking at now is how we approach him with praise and worship. How do we enter into his presence? How do we, and that's not just something we do at church. It's something we should be practicing at home. So the first thing we do is give thanks. The next thing we do is we give praise. There's only one door in. You can't come in the back door. You can't. There's no side door, no back door. There's just one door. So let me rehearse to you a little bit of last week, and then I'm going to take off again. There were three archangels that we read about in the Scripture, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Uh, we illustrated this last week how Michael was a warrior. The Bible illustrates him as a warrior. How Gabriel is a messenger. The Bible illustrates him as a messenger. And how Lucifer appears to be the worshiper because the way God created him according to Isaiah. So we have God lost Lucifer, who we call Satan. The Hebrew calls him Hasatan, 
We call him Satan, and he left with a third of the angels. So when we get into John, the Bible says God's looking for those who will worship him. He's looking for some worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you read the Bible, the Bible, and we'll see maybe a little bit of that again today, that God's going to fight our battles for us. He's going to, unless we get in his way, we get in his way and try to take his place sometimes. Stop it. Tell your neighbor, say, stop it. He's going to fight for you. He'll fight our battles. He'll fill our mouths. What's he wanting us to do? He's wanting us to be worshipers. He wants us to approach him as a worshiper. So if you can have it, God kept his messengers. He kept his warriors, but he lost his worship team. And so he's replacing his worship team with you and I. We become worshipers. And this word worshiper was a powerful word. It's somebody who would honor God with an act, uh, an awe, an awe, an act of respect, with submission, preference, or regard with deep respect. And here's the, the crux of what it means to be a worshiper in the Greek. In this word, it means to respect the opinion of another with submission to that opinion. In other words, we respect God and His Word and who He is and what He offers us, and we honor that and we, we yield to that. We submit ourselves to that. If you go over in James, he says, Submit yourself to God, resist Satan, and he will flee from you. And you've heard me say this a lot lately. How about a life where the devil's trying to get away from you instead of you trying to get away from him? And so the first part of that's key, though, right? A lot of people want to get mad fuss at the devil, and, but you got to submit yourself to God. That's what we're called to do. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then last week we were in Psalm 22 where it says God inhabits or enthrones himself on the praises of his people. That means God, when we praise him, that's the thing we do after we get in the gate, when we praise him, he brings his throne and sits it in the middle of our situation. That's why I'm saying to you, it's, it's, when things are not going right, it's the easiest thing to do is complain and get discouraged because that's how the flesh works. But the thing we should be doing when things are at their worst is giving God praise. If you need healing and you've not got it yet, you ought to get up every day and get in the devil's face and say, I praise God, you're my healer. Amen. If you need provision and you've not got that job yet, you ought to get up every day and say, God, I thank you that you're my provider. You ought to throw it right back. We need to do warfare. We don't just need to go in a corner somewhere and come down and let the devil do whatever he wants to do. I don't know how many people I've heard over the years say, well, this and that and all this is wrong. That's just the way it is. And I have to say, no, no, that's not the way it is. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. We can win. Whatever the situation is. The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but shall deliver him out of most of them. Some of you reading your Bible. It doesn't say most of them, does it? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. All of them. We have a guarantee. If God gave us his son, how will he not freely give us all things? Everybody say all things. That pertain to life and godliness. Jesus said another way. He said, if you've walked away from this world to follow me, nobody's ever left anything in this life and not received more in this life, a hundredfold more, and the life to come. So what did I just read before we started praising that psalm? It said, if you follow the Lord and fear the Lord, your children will be blessed, your house will be blessed, everything about you. God wants you to stand up and fight. He's looking for some soldiers to stand with him. He'll go in front of you, and we're going to see that in just a minute, to do the war, but he wants you to stand and believe 
that he is everything he says he is. Now, as we look, I want to take you to a couple of new passages here. Uh, we proclaim God moves his throne in. So when God sets his throne in your situation, you may be at the worst moment of your life. You still need to praise him. Because that's what invokes God to come down into your moment. You, if you're in the worst place in your life, you need God. You need him to step into your moment. If you're in a battle, you don't need to whine and complain and get mad at God and the world and everybody else. You need to praise. That's crazy. I know. What do you think they thought when those people, when the children of Israel walked around Jericho? They were wildly looking. These guys are nuts. Look at them. Out there in the hot weather, walking around, not saying a thing. Then all of a sudden on the seventh day, they lifted up a praise or a shout to God, and the walls came down. See, now that's our, our part is to obey. God will do the rest, amen? And Rahab, when the two spies came, Rahab said, she's the only one in there, it sounds like, that believed in that city. She said, I've heard about your God. You and I need to stand our ground because there's people all around us that need to see God at work in our lives. They need to see God doing what we read about in the Bible in your life and in my life. So we need to take a stand and stand with God. He cannot fail. He cannot lie. He cannot sin. They couldn't keep him in the grave. He's a resurrected Lord, and he's inside of us. Amen. Now, let's go to um, Psalm 145. In Psalm 145, this is how praise works should begin, be in our lives. It says, I will extol you, my God, verse 1, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Do you do that every day? You should do that every day. You should, every day you should find you a place to praise God. And it may shift. Sometimes when I get up early in the morning, I may walk through the house and a few things will hit me. I may praise God for having shoes. Somebody said, that's elementary. It is unless your father grew up without them like mine did. My father didn't have shoes in the summer. And somebody in the neighborhood bought them because his dad was paralyzed from being crushed in the mines. And they didn't have welfare. They didn't have food stamps. They didn't have anything. So you might thank God if you remember. And when you see these other people, some of our own brothers and sisters in these other countries, what they have to deal with, you might thank God for your air conditioner. Instead of taking... I'm that elementary. I am that... I thank God for all the little things. I do. And it may be different each day, but I want him to know that I know where my help comes from. I know where all my good things come from. I want him to know that I know that. So it doesn't matter. Sometimes I thank God for housing, shelter, food. I just, I just want him to know that I know he's the one that makes things happen. Then he says, every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. And here's our job. One generation shall praise your works to another. Our children and grandchildren should hear us bragging about God. Amen. To praise Him is to proclaim, right? It means to proclaim, to speak highly of in a song or in a deed and to do it publicly and to elevate it or lift it up high. And that's what they did when they walked around Jericho. They thought they were nuts. May, they may think you're nuts when they come over and you're in your darkest moment in your life and you're praising God anyway. That, that's what invokes God into your moment. We need God to come into our moments. One generation shall praise your works to another. That's us. We should do that. And shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak 
of the might of, might of your acts, and I will declare your greatness. See what he's doing? He's just saying, I'm going to live like this. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All your works shall praise you. Now remember, that they, when Jesus came coming in town, they said, tell these people to shut up. Jesus said, if I tell these people to shut up, these rocks will start crying out because they know who I am. He's the creator. Jesus was part of the creation. The Bible says in Genesis 1, let us make man. The Hebrew word is Elohim. It means the plural form of God. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were there at creation. And so Jesus, they, listen, when Jesus said, go get that donkey and bring it to me, that donkey, the Bible said, had never been ridden on. Let me tell you something. You don't ride on a donkey if it's never been ridden on unless you're the one that created it. Don't think for a minute that donkey didn't know who was on his back. He wasn't about to buck the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and his very creator. So everything, the Bible says even nature itself is groaning for redemption because of what sin has done. So we don't want any rocks taking our place. We want to be people of praise. We're going to need God in our moments, in our situations going forward more than we ever have. Because Jesus said the days are going to get dark. They're going to get like the days... Noah and the days of, of Lot and Sodom. So we got to have all of God we can get. Amen. And that starts by praising Him. And it means you're going to praise Him even when you don't feel like it. David said, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Your God can make the difference. He can make the difference. And then he goes on to say, he says, all your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Let me hear you bless Him. Sorry, God, we're going to try that again right here. <laughs> All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Hallelujah. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. That's what we ought to be talking about. We ought to be talking about the goodness of God and the talk of your power and to make known to the sons of men His mighty acts. We should be the ones telling people how good God is, how great He is, what all He can do, and we should be experiencing that. And we can experience that if we invoke His presence into our moment. And that's a hard thing because the flesh and the Spirit work against each other a lot. So the, flesh, the Spirit is willing, but the what? The flesh is weak, and the flesh gets moved around by what it sees. But the Spirit lives in the unseen world, right? We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And so faith is what we're called to do, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. Let's go to uh, Psalm 106, verse 47. Well, you don't have to turn there. I'll show you a couple on the board here real quick. Psalm 106. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. Don't you think about that? To triumph in your praise. Why would we triumph in, during praise? Because that's when God shows up. Somebody said, yeah, but I want to get back there and worship. It's coming. But you, you, what are you going to worship if God don't show up? So we need God to come into our moment so the worship won't be liturgical, so the worship won't be so stiff, but it'll be real talking about somebody on the other side of the universe behind the clouds. You're talking about somebody that showed up in your moment and you're down on your knees worshiping him there. We got to invoke his presence in and that happens with praise. So triumph. Let me, let me read something to you here that I feel like the Holy Spirit shared with me. Praise is recognizing God and giving him the credit for what happens in our lives. 
Praise is recognizing God and giving Him the credit for the things that happens in our lives and being willing to proclaim it for others to hear and know. That's what Israel did. That's what the church is called to do. The Bible says in the book of Acts, and we're not going to get there today, but it says the tabernacle of David is going to be restored in the latter days. And we've been watching that probably since the 70s, maybe the 60s in this country, where the tabernacle of praise or the tabernacle of David has been getting restored. And then he says, here's another thing I felt like the Holy Spirit. Do you think that someone who lives this way will benefit from it? Do you think if somebody's a complainer and down all the time versus somebody who gets up and praises God even for things that have not even come to pass yet because it's an act of faith, do you think that's going to impact their lives? Surely, you're going to see a difference in that for somebody. Praise does not exempt us from trouble but it causes us to triumph in the middle of it. That's why we should praise. The next, he says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. So that is going to be awkward. You, you're supposed to be down and out. You're supposed to be beaten up. Here, and he, David knew this. He was a man of praise. David was responsible for having a lot of the instruments made that we use today. I'm sure they're different now in some ways, but he was responsible for a praise. And so when David lost his son out of that relationship with Bathsheba, he was down, fasting, praying, sat, all that stuff. He was humbled himself. And so his, his guys were around trying to decide whether to tell him that his son had died, that the child had died. They didn't want to tell him because they, they said, look how he's acting now. If we tell him his son's dead, he's going to really go off the deep end, right? That's what they were thinking. So he recognized them whispering, and he, the Bible says he, he asked them, said, is my son dead? And they said, yes, he's dead. The Bible says he gets up, cleans himself up, goes and has food, quits fasting, and then he goes to the temple of God to worship the direct opposite response you would see in most people. But he says a statement. He says, I can't bring him back, but I can go to him. See, believers, we have hope without a question mark even when death comes because we know in whom we believed. And so David went to praise God and worship God because he knew that his son would be waiting on him on the other side. So that's the hope we have. Paul said, we're not like other folks who sorrow with no hope when some death comes because we believe in a resurrected Lord. Amen? So our praise is important. And I'm going to say it this way. You need to praise in the bad times more than the good times. Because that's when we need God to show up the most, right? It's easy to praise God when everything's going well, right? Yeah, God's been good to me and everything's going. But what about when you're down and out? We can't wait to get to the other side to be expressive and to praise and worship Him. It'll be easy on the other side. Why not do it now? He's looking for, he's looking for some people who worship Him. And John has said in spirit and in truth. Let's go to Psalm, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. Let's go to there, just on the board here. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. You and I are not guaranteed to be exempt from trouble, but we are guaranteed to overcome. If you read the book of Revelation, those seven churches, He talks to the ones who overcome. And the word overcome is a uh, nikeo. It's the verb form of Nike. 
right? We got the word Nike in this culture. So basically, the shoe company took this Greek word Nike, and it means to gain the victory. We translated overcome in Revelations to gain the victory, all right? How do we gain the victory? In Christ, we are triumphant when we praise Him, when we follow Him. And praise is an act of obedience, and, and we read all those definitions. So this word Nike, they're trying to say to you that if you use their shoe, you're going to get the victory. Well, fully on the shoe, we're talking about Jesus Christ here, this word in the Bible. We have the victory in Him. It doesn't matter what kind of shoes you got on. We've got the victory in Christ. He, he is our Nike. Jesus is our Nike. Now, and and let's, let me re- take you to Psalm 47. In Psalm 47, I'm reading you these praise psalms because don't you see how David lived as we talk about the restoration of his tabernacle in the, in the New Testament day. It says in verse 1, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Let's give that a try. All right. So we can all do that, right? Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Woo! We can do it. You're weird, you know it? Praising the God you can't see. But don't tell me I can't see Him. I see Him everywhere. He says, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great King over all the earth. He will subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us because he's better at it than we are. The excellence of Jacob whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. Even God goes up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Go back to the model for a second. You got to start with thanksgiving. The Bible says in Psalm 100, we're not going to go there this morning, but it says enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come in with thanks. Before you repent, before anything, you ought to be thanking God that you even have a place to repent, right? So you come in His gates with thanksgiving, you get in His courts, you should be doing this praise. And the psalmist is filled. There's a lot of praise because the rest of that stuff's coming, but you can't skip stations and expect to get what you need to get out of God. So we praise Him. We repent. We praise Him. We do. Look, he says, For God is the King of the earth, sing praises with understanding. Then he says, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people are gathered together. The people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly and exalted. We should praise God because every single thing we have has come from him. The Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift has come from the Lord. The process that we're going through when we praise and we walk through that tabernacle leads us and causes us to believe and have hope. Notice this, and I just somebody was telling me that this week, that you, you face an obstacle, if you'll go get in the Word, it will strengthen you, and encourage you, and cause you to believe what you don't see, over what you may think you see. Now let me tell you how the devil works. As soon as you get a word from God, or get direction from God, the devil will be faithful, I hate to use that word with him, but he will be faithful, to throw up the direct opposite in front of you. You believe for somebody to get saved, they'll get worse. Right? I mean, you, that's how the devil works. He, he wants us to get discouraged. He knows he cannot overcome Jesus Christ. So the only way he wins is if we back down. 
And we can't back down. Uh, Paul said, we're not of those who draw back, but we're those who continue on and stand our ground because Jesus Christ in us is is greater than any force we face. And so God is calling us to stand our ground. The devil can't overcome Jesus. He can't overcome the work of God. What he wants you to do is back away and give up and slow down and not stand your ground. And so God is calling us to stand our ground. These are not natural forces. In other words, if I can show you this on the board real quickly, the believing and hoping... That's who we are as Christians. Does it make a difference if you believe? Sure it does. Does it make a difference if you praise? Sure it does. All that makes a difference. We have Jesus who is the centerpiece of everything that we have to do. And we have El Pizo, which is the word we translate hope. And then we have Pisteo, which is the verb form of faith and believing, it undergirds all believing in the New Testament. So we put our faith in Jesus. We put our hope in Jesus. The devil wants to attack that because he tried to stop Jesus and he couldn't. He already come out of the grave. It's a done deal. It's like the world is roped off with caution tape. It's already done. What Everything we need has already been secured in Christ. The cross and His resurrection. Everything's done. But we're, we've not seen the fullness, the completion of the whole cycle that God had planned. So our faith and our hope in Jesus is what makes the difference. How do I keep that up? How do I keep my faith up? How do I keep my hope up? Because I am stuck in God's Word and my praise and my worship are constant. In other words, I don't praise and worship just when I feel like it. That's what's got to change with the modern church. we got to praise Him and worship Him even when we feel our worst, like David did. So Jesus, pisteo, is the verb form of faith. So faith is not a mental thing. It's not a mental recognition of, I think that's true. It is something, because this is a verb, if I can take you back to English class, verbs show action, right? So true faith has action with it. That, you read the book of John, faith without works is dead, right? So true faith has activity with it. And this word, el piso, comes from el pistas, and it's the word we translate hope, and it's hope without a question mark. So hope that we use in our language usually has a question mark. If you say, I hope it don't rain today, which most of us are hoping for rain, you, you've got a question mark, right? You want it. You, you don't know. You hope for something. But this is different. This word is different, not because of the circumstances, but because of who the hope's in. There is no question mark in Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Do you think God... Amen. Give Him praise. Do you... All right, if we took a survey of everybody in this church that's here today and the ones aren't here today, if we took a survey and said, what's your dilemma? What are you facing? Maybe you want a child saved. Maybe you want... Listen, Jesus wants that more than you do. But we don't get those movements by complaining and worrying. What's Psalm 37 say? Fretting. Let me put that up there. Did I have have that 37 in uh, Psalm 37? And eight, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. 
it only causes harm. Everybody read that with me together. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, and do not fret. It only causes harm. In other words, worry and fretting don't do anything good. It only causes harm, right? So if you want to trade that fretting and that word. Now think about fretting over here. And we've read the articles, medical, everything, how much worry and fretting do. Think about fretting over here and all the damage that will do. Don't do any good, the Bible says. And then think about praise over here and worship. What good can it do? Over here by yourself, fretting, battling. Over here, praising. God shows up with his throne. He's there to, do, to fight for you, to fill your mouth, to bless. Difference, big difference. That's what we've got to do. We've got to do that as Christians because we're going into dark times in this world. We've got to learn to say, turn that speaking off to that fretting and turn it on to the praising so that my hope and my faith can remain going the way it's going. You want to grow in all this. I, want to, I, I am convinced of some things or I wouldn't stand in this pulpit every week. I'm convinced that God has my days numbered. I'm convinced. I'm the only thing that would change that is if I get in rebellion and cut my life short. But I'm convinced that God, and I'm convinced that I cannot leave one second early until God's through with me. That, if you've got a posture like that, that changes everything. I believe God's in control. I believe that God controls the nations fully. He gives leeway. He's got everything in His boundaries. But God is in charge. He has the last say in everything. I believe that. I believe that every good thing I have has come from God. I don't believe I'm smart enough, good enough, or worked hard enough. I think God opened all the doors, gave me whatever He gave me, and allowed me to step into those doors, but I couldn't have had one door if it hadn't been for God. I believe that. I'm convinced that God's in charge of my life. I'm convinced that He's in charge of the world. It, takes, it changes my whole posture when I do that. I don't believe the devil has as much power as God. In fact, the Bible's plain about that. I don't believe the devil can overthrow God's people. I don't believe that. I believe the devil wants us to back away. That's what he's after in our lives. He wants us to move down and back away so he can have influence in our lives. I'll tell you what, I still believe that Jesus Christ is greater than anything I face. I believe Jesus Christ is a healer. I believe he's a deliverer. I believe he's a savior. I believe he's my king. And my God, I believe He's my brother. He's my husband. He's everything I need. He gives me my provision. And the deeper your revelation of who God is, the deeper your praise and your worship will go. Notice that with Abraham. The more facets he saw revelated to him by God, the deeper his praise and his worship went. And his commitment even got further. He got to a place to where he would pitch his tent and build his altars. That's who Abraham was because he put more faith in the next life than he did this life. A lot of folks are pitching their altars and building their tents because their whole life's built up in this life. That's not how God wants us to live. He'll bless you. You can be blessed. But pitch your tents. In other words, put more emphasis on your spiritual life and your spiritual journey than you do your natural life. That's the battle. And that's the same battle you're going to face when you want to praise, but your flesh is wanting to just complain and wither and be discouraged. But I'm, if I could get you, everybody to see this, when your moments are bad, that's when you need to praise God the most.
Well, ladies, Amy and I are close to, I've shared this story before, but she had a tumor the size of a softball in her chest. It wasn't breast cancer, it was just a big malignant tumor. She was a believer, her mother was a believer, her husband was not. They, he was a doctor, so they had plenty of means to do whatever, so she was at the Mayo Clinic for trips, and they did all the stuff and had the x-rays. She had a tumor. Now notice, I want, to, I want to show you something here before I, go, before I close. She and her mother were there. The, the husband was still working, doctoring. They leave the Mayo Clinic to go to a meeting where she gets prayed for. She's in a wheelchair at this point. She's throwing up. And uh, I want to try to bring her and let her share her testimony. It's pretty powerful. And she, she goes back to the Mayo Clinic. They take her in, start doing more tests, run x-rays, the tumor's gone. Her husband's a doctor now. So he's not saved either. So she, he comes to get her. I mean, good news. They said, from their perspective, they said, we want you to follow up with treatments just to make sure. And she, she's the first person that ever told me. This has been years ago. She's the first person because she was an RN as well. And she was the first person to tell me that chemotherapy and stuff's poison. You just hope it's a lesser poison than cancer. And she said, I knew all the side effects. I didn't want to do it. The Lord had healed me. It was miraculous. And so she said, I was praying. And the husband told me. And she said, the Lord spoke to her and said, honor your husband. See, there was a bigger picture. Do you understand? When you and I are going through stuff, if we're believers, there's a bigger picture than just your little moment. So she said, they started going to Knoxville. That's where they went for that, like we would here, go to Lexington. And said after the third trip, she was really taking his toll on her. He looked at her and said, we're done. Said, if God's healed you, he's healed you. Let's go home. And that's been like 35 years ago. He got saved. See? That was the picture. And now they say when he works the ER that if he don't uh, have a surgeon on call, he writes Jesus in the line where the surgeon If he don't have one there, I mean. And then he said, if, if they say if he's about to lose a patient in the ER, he'll scoot all the equipment out and lay hands on them and start praying for them. You see what God did with a moment? What did she do? Her name's Eunice. What'd she do? She had some pisteo. They left to go be where God was manifested, right? Where people were praising God. Where there was hope in the congregation. Get it? See why it's important for all of us to praise when we get in here together? Because when we get in here together, the faith is here. The hope and people coming in and out of this place can feed off that because God is real. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ has paid the price for all we need. Everything we need is secured in Him. So she and her mother, as an act of faith, left where they were at to go be prayed for. And God run that whole thing full circle and saved her husband. That's who God is. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 20, and then I'm going to close. 2 Chronicles 20. I'm going to show you how this all works. God will fight your battles. He'll fill your mouth. He wants you and I to praise Him. 
Second Chronicles 20, it happened after that the people of Moab, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to the battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi, or in Jedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So they were being active in their faith, right? They were fasting. My wife and I, and it seemed like it does this more, when we, but when we fast together, we always get movement. When she and I put the push food away for several days together, whatever we're praying about, we've seen God move time and time again. And we fast individually for whatever, but when we do it together, because two are one, and we've seen God move. If you want to see God move, fast. It works. You've seen it. So these guys are fasting. They're seeking God. So Judah gathered to ask the help from the Lord. That's what we all should do, Right? And from the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Everybody's getting on the same page. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? What is that? That's praise. He's proclaiming who he is. That's a proclamation. Do it in your home. Do it in the church. Do it on the street. And in your hand is there not power and might. He's recognizing who God is so that no one is able to withstand you. That's still true today for all of us. Nobody is able to withstand our God. Our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave them descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in your name saying, and he's recognizing, right? Everything God's done, he's proclaiming it. He says, it's a, a disaster, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence, for your name is in the temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. So they'll speak to God. That's what we should do in our affliction. We shouldn't cry and complain and whine and fret. We should cry out to God and do what Jehoshaphat's doing. Start talking about His goodness. Start reminding yourself of all the powerful things He's done in the Scripture, in your own life. I do that all the time. I say things like, God, I praise you for making the axe head float. How many remember the axe head floating in the Scripture? I say, God, I praise you for parting the Red Sea. I praise, I praise for things He's done in my own life, the healings and things He's done in my own life. Praise Him. And then God will step into your moment with His throne. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade. And they came out of the land of, as they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession. Notice the language. And that's where, true, that's where we got to live as Christians. We, everything we have belongs to God. Remember what David said? David's getting ready to sacrifice to God. And the guy said, hey, here's, your, uh, here's you some oxen. And David said, no. <laughs> he said, if I take your oxen, it's your sacrifice, not mine. And David said, I'll pay you for those. Then it will be my sacrifice. Right? And David said, hey, besides, anything we give back to God, we're only giving back what he gave to us anyway. That's where we ought to live as Christians. And, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying, this is your land. You see that? Your name, your possession, which you have given us to inherit over our God. Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Look at this next line. But our eyes are on you. Now let me just minister here for a minute. Every one of us have been in a spot like that. You may be in a spot like that this morning. 
be feeling like we don't have any power, we can't fix this situation, uh, this great multitude is coming, and we do not know what to do. We cannot handle it. We cannot make this better. But look what he said. But our eyes are upon you. Now here's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to come in a situation. He wants you to get your eyes all over the internet and self-diagnose. And the time you come off there, instead of having one problem, you're going to have 73. He wants you to listen to the chatter and all the unbelief. That's what the devil wants you to do. But the Lord said, I want you, he wants us to keep our eyes on him. Remember when Jesus went in, he was getting ready to heal somebody, and he said, every one of you that don't believe, get out. I didn't do that earlier in my ministry. I do it now. I do the same thing. If I'm in a hospital room, somebody's really bad, I'll say, now, if anybody in here is not going to believe as we pray, go ahead and step out. If you're going to sit here and look at the circumstance and base your faith on that, you ain't going to have any. And sometimes it's bad. We've all had bad circumstances. I know it. But we've got to keep our eyes on Him. He can do it. He can do whatever we need to do. It says, we don't know what to do. We, we are, have no power here, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. Brought them all. Nobody's exempt. Right? Like when uh, Jonah, and he went to Nineveh. The king of Nineveh fasted. The dogs, the cats, everybody had to go without eating. That's right. Fifi needs to not eat. Because we're waiting on God. And we want God to show up. And then he said, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, uh, the son of Zechariah, the son of uh, Benaiah, the son of Jael, and Mataniah, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly, and said, Listen, all of you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, king of Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. Now, what's he telling? He's saying, Don't look at the circumstances. If you look at the circumstances, it will crush your faith. Because we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Amen. That's what we're called to do. And we know our God is able to do far above, Paul said, what we can even think or ask. And I've been in situations, and you have too, where you couldn't even think of the right thing to ask for. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, makes intercession for us. So that we can have what God has provided for us. We are going to come out on top in this thing. Everybody in Egypt was covered in darkness except for one place. And it was where God's people was at. The Bible said there was darkness over the whole land except for Goshen. There was light in Goshen. That's what we're seeing with God. So they said, uh, uh, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up to the sin of Ziz. And they will surely come up to the sin. And we'll find them at the end of the brook or the wilderness of Jeruel. Uh, you will not need to fight in this battle. What? I told you he'd fight your battles. He just wants you to be along for the ride. Position yourselves, but we do need to position ourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's the same thing uh, Moses said when he was standing at the Red Sea. And that word Yeshua, it's where we get the name Jesus. Stand still and see the Yeshua. We're talking about Jesus even in the Old Testament. Everything, he said, lo, it's written to me in the Bible book. Everything is to point us to Jesus. The very first chapter is about salvation. The Bible says the darkness covered the earth. It was without form. It was void and darkness covered. And then the Spirit moved and light came. That's, how, that's the picture of salvation. Before Christ's lives are void, their darkness is coming. We're without form. Then the Holy Spirit shines the light in. Jesus steps into our life and we come to life. Why do you think the Bible said the guy on the road to Jericho is half dead? 
How are you half dead? Either you're dead or you're not, right? You're half dead when you're alive physically but not spiritually. The Bible says the good Samaritan poured the wine and the oil in. The spirit and the blood is what brought him out of his dilemma. Everybody you see out there that don't follow Christ, they're half dead. They may be living physically, but they're not alive spiritually. And that's the game changer, right? And that's what makes the difference. And then they go on and say, it said, you're going to have, not have to fight, position yourselves. Stand still, see God's Yeshua is salvation. O Judah, Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. He's telling us why. Why would God say through his word not to fear and dismay? Because it only causes harm. It causes ulcers. It causes all kinds of junk. And you don't have to be afraid because God's on your side. And he said, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe the Lord's with you? I believe he's with me. I'm stubborn about that. I buckle him in my truck every time I get in it. He says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, the children of Kohathites, and the children of Korites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. That's praise. Loud and high. That's not worship. That's praise. Loud and high. And he said, They got up and they said, so they rose early in the morning, went out of the wilderness of Koa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. That's the difference. That's what I'm saying. Believing and hoping and praising, they make a difference. If you live a life not doing those things, you're missing out. And here's what he said. He said, they rose up early in the morning, went out to the wilderness of Koa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood, Hear me, believe the Lord your God, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Believe his word. Believe what is spoken by his mouthpieces and the people that he has sent. Believe what God says and you will prosper. You don't, we don't get to freelance in the kingdom of God. You don't get to play by your own rules. And God don't feel sorry for anybody. God don't feel sorry for people. He has compassion on people. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. The only thing that gets God to move by faith, God don't move when we whine, complain, and cry. He don't move because of years of service. He moves because we have faith. I'm going to make this loud and clear, and I know it hits people across. God don't move because there's a need. If God moved just because there was need, nobody would be in the hospital down here in town today. They all have needs. God don't move by need. He moves when we live by faith. That's how God moves when we exercise our faith, when we keep our pastel, when we step out into it. We take God's word, we believe what he said, and we take it and we hang our lives on that and say, we're staking our claim on what God has said, not what we see. Now you remember the 12 spies went over the land. Two of them come back and said, that the 10 of them come back crying, whining, complaining, and fretting. And they come back to the crowd and they say, oh, it's bad. They make, a, they make us look like grasshoppers over there. We're little bitty. Crying and discouraged. The Bible said they discouraged the whole crowd. But the Bible said Joshua and Caleb didn't do that. Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, it's true, there's giants over there. But the Lord said that the land belongs to us, so we say let's go take the land. That's who we are as believers. Can you say Amen. And guess what? That generation of those whiners and complainers had to die off, and then they went and took the lamb. God's just looking for somebody to believe him. If God just moved because of need, there wouldn't be any need. God moves because we exercise our faith 
and our hope without a question mark in the work of His Son. And what has His Son done? He's secured my healing, my forgiveness, my salvation, my eternal life, my deliverance, anything I need, He secured it all. And finally, the end of this story says, they consoled the people, they appointed those who would sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of His holiness, and they sent out them before the army. <laughs> Can you imagine being on the praise and worship team that day? All the guys with the weapons are in back, and the little drummer boy's up front. And the shofar guy, he's up front. Can you imagine? They're probably thinking, how's this work? But God fought the battle. Why? Went out praising him. What happened when they praised him? God brought his throne in the middle of that. And destroyed their enemy. It says, here's what they said. Praise the Lord. There's the praise. For his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mousir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon, Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly killed and destroyed them. And then they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir. They helped to destroy one another. <laughs> God turned them on each other. So when Judah came to place overlook in the wilderness... They looked toward the multitude, and there there were their dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. God will produce results. He can produce results. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to believe in Him and praise Him. If you believe in Him and proclaim His praise, He'll show up. Let's stand to our feet. You guys come to the instruments. God, it's really that simple. I know sometimes we want to stay focused on what we see. The devil is faithful to put something in front of you that looks like just the opposite of what God has for you. That's how he works. If, you can, if I can take you back to uh, out of Egypt, they kind of got catty-cornered in like a pyramid situation. The mountain, the sea, and here comes the armies, Pharaoh's armies. Nowhere else to go. You're not the first person that's had a situation you think, I can't see how this is going to work out. That's what God masters in. Moses told those people basically the same thing Jehoshaphat did. He said, stand still and see the Yeshua of the Lord. So they washed as God part of the Red Sea. Then what they need to do? They need to take, move, right? Walk. <clears throat> we want God to let us sit in our seat of do nothing. Right? And just feed us from a tray. But God, true faith requires movement. That's why pisteo is the word that undergirds all believing in the New Testament. Faith, belief, all that. It's a verb. Same thing in the Old Testament. Hasan bataka that I didn't bring out. Those are verbs. They undergird all believing in the Old Testament and faith. So true faith has action. What are you going to do? When you leave here today. Here's what I'd like for you to do. You don't have to do it. I'm not your boss. I'm just somebody trying to hand you off the ways of God. But I would start finding me a place to praise God every day. And I'd probably do it in the morning. I'd probably get me a spot and just say, God, I want to praise you. And be elementary with it. And then take your praise into those moments when you are doing it by faith. Maybe there's something you need to happen, but it's not happened yet. 
praise Him for it happening. That's an act of faith. I know you're the one that can fix this problem. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah! Are you going to praise Him and believe, or are you going to doubt and complain? That's a beautiful example of what we've been talking about this morning. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. As we go in this moment, maybe today's your moment to take a stand and say, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to fret. I'm going to take a stand and start praising for what I need to see God move in. Just like Sister Kim was sharing with us. Lord, we pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. Today is somebody's day, Lord. To quit letting the enemy push them around with fear and doubt and unbelief. Today's their day to start praising you for what's going to happen in their situation. As an act of faith, they're going to praise you. They're going to worship you. And they're going to believe. They're going to believe that you have plans for them. Plans to do them good and not harm, like you said to Jeremiah. That you know, knew us before you formed us in the womb. And we receive your word today, Lord. This is open as we worship.